Welcome to the show. This is Free Talk Live. Sorry about that audio there at the beginning. Did that go out of the air? <laughs> I think it did, but that's okay. I think our listeners will be willing to forgive us. It's uh, Stephanie with you tonight. And Mark. And you're listening to the live Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. Uh, not too many other radio shows are live on a Sunday evening for you all, but Free Talk Live is actually on every single day of the week, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. You hearing a funny noise, Mark? I'm not hearing anything. Oh, okay. My mistake. So, What's happening? Uh, it was the, the headphone cord. Nothing to worry about. Okay. So, anyway, <laughs> we starting off in an interesting footing tonight. But, uh, Technical difficulties. This but is unfortunately, what hap- you don't have to stand by. You can just listen to the disaster as it unfolds. <laughs> <laughs> this is just to prove what that, that we are indeed a live radio show. Because <laughs> we would have edited that crap out otherwise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Free Talk Live is actually live every single night of the week, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, not only that, but we post all of the archives of our old shows on the website, freetalklive.com. The uh, last seven days of the show are right there at the top of the page on the header. Yeah, they're very easy to find. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you can go to archives.freetalklive.com. And we've got actually the last six years of the program completely free. So if you've got a lot of time during the day, then Free Talk Live makes a lot of audio available to you <laughs> at archives.freetalklive.com. And I'm sure there are some people who really enjoy that. By the way, I also want to let you know that if you want to call in, Free Talk Live is actually an open phones uh, radio show. So that means you can call in and bring up anything that's on your mind. You know, you can talk to us about something that we're discussing or something that maybe you heard previously on the show during the week. Uh, we're really open to anything, but it's also, you know, gives you the freedom to bring up whatever's on your mind. Yeah. And that uh, reminds me is if you do call in and, you know, you obviously you can't hear yourself call in. So it's nice to go back and find the audio from last night's program. You know, I think we put up by usually by 11 p.m. Eastern time. Right after the show. Yeah. Right after the show. It's it's up. So you can go and you can listen to your call to see how you did. And, you know, whatever people want to people want to share it with your friends. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Share with your friends. Show them just how smart you are. (laughs) And of course, the number is 855-450-3733. That is also 855-450-FREE, spelling out the word free. Uh, So, Mark, there's been this news story. Um, There's a a county in Maryland where they've installed uh, some traffic cameras. The red light cameras? Well, not just uh, not just the red light cameras. They've installed a second layer of cameras. Okay. To watch the cameras because people are vandalizing the cameras. <laughs> so it's like okay. kind of like that meme, the internet meme. Yo, dog! I heard you like cameras, so I put some cameras in your cameras. Right. <laughs> I have seen that, and I don't really uh, quite understand it. But then again, internet yeah, memes aren't aimed at uh, me anyway. <laughs> So somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. But it does kind of show that the incompetence of government, like government creates a problem, Mm -hmm. which is red light cameras. And And the fact that they're unpopular because people don't like Big Brother. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not just if if they were just unpopular, that would be one thing. But they're also dangerous in that they create uh, bad driving habits among people, people slamming their brakes on uh, rather than going through, uh, you know, a a yellow light because – because after you know at first they don't first off they don't want to get the tickets and then when people aren't getting tickets anymore from going through red lights then the towns and counties and uh, cities have been shortening the duration not every one of them but you know it it happens sort of in the collective consciousness of the american people that they realize that the duration of yellow lights is being shortened right so then they try to go through no no they try to slam on their brakes causing rear end uh you know Uh, accidents and that's the problem yeah i mean to me the problem is that they're focused on when you have a red light camera that's going to give you a ticket 
you're focusing on the punishment, avoiding the punishment of getting a ticket instead of focusing on your own well-being and thinking, okay, is it safe or not to go through this yellow light or should I stop? Right. I would think most of the accidents that occur in intersections from people going through red lights occur when people just blow a red light rather than people that... uh, you know, people that are sliding through on the pink light or the orange light, as some people want right. to call it. They uh, build in allowances for that. Yeah, because, I mean, usually there's timing. a little delay between when one light turns red and another light turns green. Mm-hmm. Usually you're not – and then people have to speed up and that kind of thing. So you don't have this full head-on collision thing. If you have an accident at an intersection, it's usually somebody just didn't see the light at all, uh, you know, or fell asleep or, or, or whatever. Or drunk or whatever. Whatever. I mean, those things happen. And a red light camera doesn't do anything about those. What and a red the camera, light camera to does, watch the red light camera is probably not going to. I mean, it's just putting a bandaid over this um, this situation, really not addressing the real problem. Do you, do you want to hear more detail? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so in Maryland, this is from the blog uh, SmartPlanet.com. In Maryland, Big Brother is watching you and the camera that's watching your car. In Prince George's County, a neighbor of Washington D.C., people are getting fed up with speed cameras, or as it is, the bad tra- or. Or, it, or is it the bad traffic or the bad drivers, there's a pining there, uh, that take pictures of the license plates of speeding cars and send hefty fines to their registered owners? You know, that's another point about these. Um, they're fining the car or the mm-hmm. owner of the car. They really can't prove that it was you driving the car. So They can't prove that with a, uh, with a parking ticket either, but they just go ahead and convict you. Right. Didn't you have a situation where your wife parked your car somewhere? I'm not going to, you know, uh, lay guilt upon my wife, but I can assure you that a, a car was parked someplace. <laughs> my car was parked someplace and uh, I didn't park it there. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I got a ticket and I decided to take it to court because, well, how can you prove I, I didn't park this? Prove I did. Right. So it says that I would, uh, you know, apparently allowed or something like that, you know, somebody to park that car there, and I guess the only other option is to report to have reported it stolen at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's very interesting. There is ob- obviously a problem with finding the car or the owner of the car, right? Because sure. it doesn't necessarily have to be that person who's driving. I think, to me, speeding cameras make a heck of a lot more sense than red light cameras. At least it's objective, right? They're not deadly. Yeah. Um, you know, that de- red light cameras are deadly, and... People in municipalities, the government bureaucrats, they don't care. All they care about is that they're not giving tickets to themselves. And this is what they're doing is that they're throwing away the tickets that go to government vehicles and government bureaucrats that are in those vehicles. Ooh. It's disgusting. I mean, <laughs> cops want to turn through a red light. And, and this is where, by the way, most of the tickets go is people making right turns at red lights that don't come to a complete full rock backstop. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, it doesn't Does make any sense. Does anybody do that? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I didn't even know you had to necessarily. But um, right. but when their police do it, they just throw away the tickets or any other government vehicles oh, in a lot of cases. Of course. So you've got this this double standard, this uh, two classes of people. But with us with the speeding cameras, if the speed limits are the right speed, and I don't believe they are, I think speed limits are often set way too low. Yeah. But they're... if they're the right speed, then if they're enforced on a, a consistent basis, makes a heck of a lot more sense than the one in a thousand chance you have that a cop's sitting behind, you know, hidden behind something that's going to hand you a ticket. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense to me from a sort of control of the citizenry aspect. I, if the goal is to get people to drive under a certain speed, which it's debatable that that necessarily even, I mean, that's not a crime in and of itself to drive at a certain speed. 
you're not hurting anyone. There's no victim there. I see. Well, unless you do hurt someone. crime when they say it is, right? Right. But like, if you were to actually hurt someone, that's a different story. But if you're just going over some arbitrary speed, there's there's really no victim there. So I think it's like, it's prudent to kind of rethink whether that actually makes sense to well, focus so much on that speed. When you're talking about the owner of a road, whether that's the government or whatever, then the owner can set whatever rules they want. And I think that a, a limit of speed makes a lot of sense on most roads. But- is handing out tickets the best way to prevent people from speeding? We don't know because the government has a near monopoly on roads. There are a few private roads in, in America, and I don't think any of them hand out tickets. I'd be interested in knowing if they did. And, uh, you know, there's probably other ways to get people to drive the right speed on your road. I don't know what they are. But I can tell you what, there wouldn't be innovation. There will be innovation in this area if there was competition in this area. Mm -hmm. The main reason there's not competition in the area of roads is you've got to pay the government to make the roads. You don't have an option of not paying for their roads. Right. And also they have the power of eminent domain to lay their roads anywhere they want. Put a road there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why? I guess it's important to ask the question, why don't more people speed now or why do why do people only speed up to a certain point now most people go faster than the speed limit but they don't go over you know say 85 or 90 on the yeah, highway about the, the because limit. they're not comfortable with it and so people's comfort zones really play into this here and it's kind of a natural form of regulation uh how fast do you drive call us at 855-450-FREE that's 855-450-3733 it's free talk live Technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. You're listening to the live Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. We'd love to talk to you this evening. 855-450-FREE is our phone number. 855-450-3733 where you can call and talk about anything. We've been talking about, well, we we almost didn't even really get to it, but there's a county in Maryland who has installed like a second layer of cameras to keep an eye on the cameras that they already have that are watching you. So they have cameras to watch the cameras that are watching, watching you. you. <laughs> so uh, reaching whole new heights of bureaucracy. But uh, let's see what some of our callers think. Actually, we've got Hammer on the line in Idaho. Hammer, are you with us? Uh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Sorry. Uh, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Mark. Um, hi, hi. I wanted to bring up uh, actually the, uh, the uh, nullification case that came up on Friday's call. Oh, and yes. how it uh, shows what that uh, uh, the Free State Project is such a good idea, just getting like-minded people there in Idaho or in New Hampshire. Sorry, I'm a yeah. bit flustered. No, that's okay, Hammer. It's just you, just you and me talking. Um, I'm just going to give everybody a quick update because maybe not everybody who's listening tonight has heard the Friday night show. I think they covered it here on Free Talk Live. But basically, um, there was a man who is a Rastafarian and you know, uses marijuana medicinally and as part of his religious 
it's a religious sacrament, you know, apparently for Rastafarians. And um, he was, con- you know, he was charged with something like something related to growing marijuana and was tried in New Hampshire. And the jury found him not guilty by jury nullification, basically judging the law. Because the the jury nullification has passed the law, um, passed as law here in, in New Hampshire. So Actually, I, I heard the law advised of it. I heard that the law that requires New Hampshire judges to tell the jury about jury nullification does not take effect until January, but this, but this judge, judge did tell the jury anyway. This judge wanted to be the first judge uh, to, I guess, have jury nullification in their court or something like that, so they advised the jury. Go ahead. And there Cameron. was a Free State Project to me, member on the it jury. It seems to me, based off of last Friday's uh, call, the reason that that was able to be done was because there was a free state member or a free state project member that was on the jury. When it comes to juries, there is no doubt that one strong individual can have a real effect. Yes. It is difficult, however, to find that one strong individual. Um, and and the reason I wanted to bring that up is because Ian's always touting on you know doing the activist type stuff, and I. I think that shows just by being there and having the same values, which I'll be up there next month. Oh. Uh, being there and having the same values really shows what you can do just by having like-minded people up there. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And uh, when, I believe when Jason Sorens, uh, the guy who you know came up with the idea of the Free State Project, when he was talking about activists, I don't think he was talking about people like what Ian calls activists. Um, more, he was talking about people that would be involved in their communities, uh, maybe involved in their local political parties or their you know fire department or write letters to the editor or something like that. Yeah, like that would be an activist um, to the level that uh, Jason Sorens was talking. It's about. interesting how people have interpreted that. In all different ways. I mean, there mm-hmm. are people who think of the the Free State Project, and probably Jason Sorens is one of them, the founder of it. People who think of the Free State Project as largely like a political movement, as an in the system, you know, get go to your town meeting, sure. get get elected to the state house, and so forth. And then there are people who think of it as completely a outside the system movement. And some people are more just interested in the community and having a social network of people who like liberty too. So. I just find it interesting, the diversity of opinions within the Liberty kind of umbrella that are here in New Hampshire. There's a lot of diversity. Yeah. So, uh, Um, yeah, go ahead, Hammer. There's one more thing I wanted to kind of change topics a little bit from what I just brought up. It's free talk live. kind of funny. I was listening to your program yesterday, uh, Pork Therapy, Uh and uh, you were talking about how the Dalai Lama said we needed a new precept for um, viewing morals. Yes. Uh, I think that's. Just to uh, kind of how it was stated to catch everybody up in the shock that he would come out and say that. Yeah. Hammer, Just one sec. Let me just catch up the audience. So the Dalai Lama recently posted. First off, you have a show. It's called. It's called Pork Therapy. P-O-R-C Therapy dot com is the website. And uh, on Friday night's program, I was talking about the Dalai Lama had posted something on his Facebook saying that he believes that religion is no longer adequate to answer questions about the universe. And that he, you know, he thinks we need to take a more. A scientific perspective. And he actually said something like if science came out and was able to answer questions that are traditionally considered like spiritual questions, he would go with the science. And he thinks that's that's what we need to kind of embrace. So I was really shocked. But and science interested. can't answer spiritual questions, really. Well, it can answer questions, I think. Well, you know, some people accept the answers that science gives about things like the universe. I right? don't think that, uh, you know, where, where did birdies come from is a, is a spiritual question. 
Okay, well, I was interested to hear the Dalai Lama. I think it's very interesting. Say this. Yes. So, Hammer, go ahead. Uh, what I wanted to say is it doesn't really shock me because one of the precepts of Buddhism and the reason I'm actually studying it as an atheist mm-hmm. and have emailed the program about this before, mm-hmm. uh, which Stephanie might know who I am now, but. Uh, I think I remember um, getting an email like a year ago about this subject, so I'll have to dig back. It is because it, one of the things that it tells you is not to just trust in Scripture or what your teachers tell you, but to actually reason these things out and come to your own conclusion, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that, to me, makes that religion unique amongst all of the other religions that I've studied at this point. That does sound unique. I mean, is it to the point of it not being a religion, though? Is it more of a philosophy? It, I think it's only really considered a religion because it's old enough that it's considered a religion. It's more of a philosophy or way of life. You don't really have to—there is no deity in Buddhism, uh, what most people think of the Buddha. He's not really a deity. He's more of a personification of what you're striving to become. Right. Uh-huh. And a lot of—I uh, see a lot of similarities between some of the stu- the self—the uh, looking into yourself that is kind of espoused by— um, NVC, nonviolent communication, and Buddhism from the basic uh, things. Now, I'm mm. completely like new to the, the kind of concepts. I've just been reading some stuff. I'm not by any means experts mm-hmm. on it. The other thing that I, I, I hear you guys talking about is the attachment, which really isn't what it's not all attachment that's bad, according to what I've read, but it's mostly just okay. getting ideas kind of like how a lot of the Ron Paul supporters got really attached to the idea of him getting into office rather than just being excited that the message was getting out. Yeah. And then when it didn't happen, they got upset and it was painful. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm kind of expectations. No. Yeah. That, that makes total sense to me. What, you know, I've only had limited, uh, experience or knowledge about Buddhism, but, um, that did kind of strike me as a little bit like funny or something that I disagreed with just like off the bat was the idea that you shouldn't get attached to things because attachment causes suffering. Like I think that's, as I understand it, that's a major tenet of Buddhism. So, but you're saying it's kind of not that simplistic, right? Hammer. Yeah, exactly. It's more complex than that as I understand it. Okay. Well, um, that's interesting. There, there is also tenets. There's, there's stuff about like not getting to attach the things Mm-hmm. Uh, because ultimately you are the core being of yourself is not necessarily about your the things you own but it should be more than that yeah i can't disagree and- i think that you're you know it, i think that it's good to have a certain amount of things and most of those things uh, you know will help you to live a good life and then after that that you know all the rest of that stuff is just things that'll make you unhappy not happy hammer thanks for the call tonight appreciate your thoughts and you can call us at 855-450-FREE tell us uh what you're attached to this is <laughs> Free Talk Live. It's Change Your Words, Change Your Life, a daily minute program to help you understand the power of every word you speak. Here's New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer. I believe that developing humility is one of the most important things in our life because it affects everything we do and say. We can purposely think things that will help us behave in a manner that is pleasing to God. Take time to think like this. I'm not superior to anyone else. All of my abilities are gifts from God, and not anything that I have is apart from Him. We are all equal in God's eyes, and I choose to treat every person I meet with the utmost respect. 
When I speak to people, I do so with the utmost humility and display meekness and gentleness at all times. The law of kindness is in my tongue. If you think like that, it's going to change your life. For Change Your Words, Change Your Life, I'm Joyce Meyer. For more information and insight on how you can change your words and change your life, please visit Joyce Meyer, spelled M-E-Y-E-R, dot O-R-G. The words we speak can affect our lives in positive and negative ways. In her new book, Change Your Words, Change Your Life, best-selling author and internationally acclaimed teacher Joyce Meyer examines the power of words that convey our thoughts and emotions. She discusses how our words can increase or decrease our level of joy and how they can have a positive or negative effect on our future. Change Your Words, Change Your Life, the latest book from New York Times best-selling author Joyce Meyer, is available wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Free Talk Live, the Sunday night edition with uh, Stephanie and Mark. And we'd love for you to visit our website, which is freetalklive.com. I think we may have, uh, no, I don't think we mentioned this yet tonight. You can actually watch us, if you'd like, doing the show. Instead of just listening, you can add another dimension to your Free Talk Live experience by checking out the the studio cam at cam.freetalklive.com. There you can watch us do the show and chat with uh, other listeners. And maybe you'll find some commonalities with them. And you can see us waving once in a while, right? like right now. I'm waving. <laughs> Very exciting. So, uh, Mark, did you want to bring a message to our audience? Oh, yeah. The, we were talking about cameras. Uh, they're you know, watching you. Well, here's a camera that you might want to have watching you. It's the Freedom <laughs> Cam from FreedomCam.net. You know, when it, other people have control of the camera, they can do anything they want with the footage. But when you have control of the camera, you get to control the, the footage. And it would be nice to have footage in your car if you have, say, an accident or... If, uh, you know, a situation occurs with a law enforcement officer where, you know, whatever the situation is, somebody remembers it differently than you do. It's nice to have the ultimate witness, which is freedomcam.net. It's not only a camera. It's it's got a microphone. Cameras look both directions, uh, out the front and back into the cab and then out the back. Uh, Of course, it's got uh, GPS and uh, navigation, records your speed and driving route. Uh, It uh, actually records eight hours worth of uh, recordings. And then if there's some kind of incident, it will save that, too. So it's really, really useful. You just turn on the key and the thing gets started. I mean, there's no key for it. You just turn the key to the car and it just starts right up. Mm -hmm. And it's now on sale. We've been talking about it for some time, but right now the dash cam's on sale. And I don't know how long that sale is going to go on. So Don't they take Bitcoins, too? They take Bitcoins. That's a great deal. Yep. So you can go over there, spend your Bitcoins if you want, or spend uh, U.S. dollars, whatever you want, at freedomcam.net. And you should do it now because they're on sale. And I don't know how long it's going to stay on sale. So freedomcam.net. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Well, let's go right back to the phones. We've got Mike waiting patiently in Illinois. Mike, are you with us? I'm here, Stephanie. Hi, Mark. Hi. What's on your mind? What's going on? I want to talk about split speed limits and how ridiculous they are. Split? Uh, For example, uh, Indiana is five miles per hour less for the big trucks than it is for cars. Wherever you go, it's 65, it'll be 60 for trucks. Is that California, just is that just Indiana, or is that any other any other places have those? Because I've noticed them before. Yeah, a lot of places. Okay. Uh, Illinois just got rid of their 55, but they're still five miles an hour less. California is 55 for big trucks. Double uh, nickels. <laughs> it, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, less than one percent of all traffic uh, incidents and collisions involve a. Uh, um, 
motor carriers, like, uh, you know, the big trucks, less than 1%. Why are the cars allowed to go 70 miles an hour in California, but I have to go 55? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and Mike. D- hey, Mike. Um, did I've heard, I don't know if you know anything about this, but I've heard before that a lot of those uh, speed limits on trucks, like that they have to go 55, are actually left over from, like, the 1970s when there were you know, price controls and fuel, there was a fuel shortage. And so they instituted those speed limits to try to conserve fuel, I guess. And then they just never lifted, especially for the large trucks. Yeah. And that doesn't make much, much sense either. Once you're at a certain RPM range in these trucks, I mean, they get about, you know, six and a half to seven miles per gallon, no matter what, you know, that's what I've heard. Right. I've heard that they get, you know, basically almost always six and a half to seven miles to the gallon um, in, in the trucks and that there's really not much they can do about it. Uh, but, you know, empty, full, none of these things really seem to make that much of a difference. Yeah. And here's, a, here's an idea. And, and there used to be a, a union. Truck drivers used to belong to a union. Somehow, some way that was dissolved. And now we're all just out here, you know, without any direction, just kind of taking what, what our employers give us. What if we all got together and stopped delivering and picking up in the state of California? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? I have heard, haven't there been trucker strikes in the past? Like, not unionized. I know there's that song, Convoy. I don't, I'm not familiar. Can you sing I it for me, Mark? I can't believe that you have. <laughs> you're so May- much younger than I am. Maybe I know it, but I just, <laughs> I need uh, you to jog yeah, my memory. Yeah, there's a convoy. And they're talking about uh, these trucks going across the, uh, the America. Oh, okay. Now, uh, yeah, I know yeah. that song. And there's there's a really you. great part was, uh, you know, they bust, the, bust through the gate doing 98, but uh, there's 11 <laughs> long-haired friends of Jesus in a chartreuse microbus. Now, I'm not sure whether or not it's the 11 long-haired friends of Jesus in a chartreuse microbus or and a chartreuse microbus, because I always thought the 11 long-haired friends of Jesus were actually hitchhikers that they had picked up along the way in this huge convoy and that they oh. were dispersed among the trucks, including the, the uh, suicide jockey who was hauling, uh, uh, the hauling uh, dynamite and uh, the, the, the Kenworth hauling hogs. <laughs> Mike, how can you beat that? <laughs> yeah, that would be hard to beat. And the chartreuse bus with the hippies would be uh, quite a sight. But now, uh, <laughs> the night before last in Indiana... I was driving back roads on these two-lane state highways, and the speed limit was 55, and that was entirely too fast. I found myself going about 43 to 45 miles an hour and was completely comfortable that way. People know how fast they can go safely. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I always wonder with trucks exactly how to best treat them on the road because the driving experience in a truck has to be entirely different than the driving experience in a car. And I know that you're supposed to give them room. Uh, you're not supposed to just cut right in front of them uh, for whatever reason. They need a little more room to stop, I guess, uh, that you obviously you don't want to follow too close behind them. You want them to be able to see you in their mirrors, um, that you don't want to pass on the left-hand side. And if you do end up on the left-hand side, of them, you want to get out away from the left hand side of them as uh, quick. Excuse me, the right hand side of them as um, quickly as you possibly can. But is that basically the rules for dealing with trucks on the road for cars? Yeah, give them room, and you can't when you make the pass around them in the left lane, and you're going back into the right right lane. Give some car lengths. You don't want to just come right over because I mean, then we got to we got to put on our brakes and mm. uh, it to get back up to speed. There's nothing worse than cruising along. And this is my biggest pet peeve is people getting onto the interstate. They see that truck coming up. You can push down the gas in your car and boom, you're gone. You don't have to slow down or hesitate. It's that indecisiveness getting on causes me to get into the left lane, slow down the people that are in the left lane already. They have to put on their brakes and then, and then they get on and see I'm not there and then they speed up. 
they're just just get on the interstate and put the hammer down and go get out get out from away get away yep. from me yeah the the instructions are on the sign merge yeah you know <laughs> my mike thanks for the tip tonight i think that probably helps a lot of people out there on the road appreciate his call yeah, it's got to be tough uh, out there, you know, in the I trucks. I hope people and, listen to it, yeah. Well, you know, I, some people are listening to their to Free Talk Live while they're driving right now. I do some volunteer firefighter work, and most of the time I end up uh, directing traffic around some accident or another. Um, and whenever I see a truck coming up, I try to make it so that they don't have to put their brakes on completely. Yeah. Because when they have to come to a full and complete stop, it's just a lot of work for that engine, that the fuel and everything in order for that vehicle to get back up to speed. And the brakes to yeah. stop it, too. Yeah, see, Mark, that's very considerate of you. You're not doing that because there's some law that says you have to. You're doing it out of uh, common sense and consideration. I I think that there's, you know, as far as uh, speed limit rules on roads, I think that at some point or another, you need some kind of rules on speed. And I don't know what how those rules are best enforced. And what I would say is, is that currently we have a really old system for enforcing speed limits. And we haven't seen any innovation in that area because it's a near monopoly that the government has on roads. The reason that they have a monopoly on roads is largely largely because of taxation. You have to pay for the roads that they put by your house. We don't know whether other organizations could pay for government pay for roads or not, sure. because governments have a monopoly on it. People there just think f- that only the government can put pavement on ground. <laughs> yeah, and obviously that's not true because we've all seen parking lots before, where even maybe several stores in a strip mall will get together and build a parking lot, and they can seem to do it. It's just essentially fine. a private road, but neighborhoods uh, that have private ways, you know, on the in the neighborhood. Lots of neighborhoods have private roads, and or neighborhoods will uh, build themselves and then create roads inside of there, and then turn yeah. them over to the town because the town has extorted that from them in order to be able to build the neighborhood in the first place. Mm. But there are also uh, private uh, freeways in California. A, you know, a bevy of them, especially in Southern California. I've, I've heard of some of those, and I've also heard of one in Canada. But as I understood it, they're very like politically connected. No, uh, sure. You know, corporations Absolutely. that get to build those, and not too much innovation. I have seen driveways that are like heated under the driveway, so you never have to plow. I mean, the technology is out there to do amazing things. It's just not bring, being brought to bear by the old, cumbersome government road system. Yep. Eight five five four fifty free. If you want to tell us about your ideas for road technology, love to hear it. It's free talk live. More coming up. Hi, I'm Richard Grove of TragedyandHope.com, and thanks to the help of Mark and Ian here on Free Talk Live, we've created this call to action to help raise awareness for John Taylor Gatto. In 2001, former New York City and State School Teacher of the Year, John Taylor Gatto, published The Underground History of American Education, detailing how public schooling creates obedient workers and debt slaves. Now John delivers a message which he calls your birthright. It's titled The Ultimate History Lesson, and it's a five-hour journey illustrating how and why our public schools are dumbing us down and what we can do about it. Therein, referencing more than 200 footnotes and 30 classic texts. John suffered multiple strokes in the weeks after filming this interview, and he's in need of your help as he continues to recover. Please click the banner on freetalklive.com and enter the coupon code FTL and we'll send you the ultimate history lesson on four DVDs plus a free 15-hour MP3 bonus DVD. Thank you for tuning in and not dropping out. are listening to Free Talk Live, the live Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. 
And hey, check out listen.freetalklive.com if you want to find out all the different ways you can listen to the show. You know, we try really hard to make it of you know, the show available to you in the format that you like. So you can find the podcast, the live streams on the internet, the uh, uh, radio stations, the cam, and even the listen lines, which is a little bit different way to listen to the show. So all there for you at listen.freetalklive.com. Real quick, uh, if you're looking for camping, hunting, survival, or shooting gear, manventureoutpost.com is the place to go because you want to get the best prices and you want to get quality merchandise. You want to get uh, the name brands and Man Venture Outpost has the name brands. And from what I can tell, the best prices on the internet. Uh, that's it's a, it's a claim certainly that they make that they have great prices, but I haven't been able to anything I've ever found. I've never found a price that's uh, lower than manventureoutpost.com. They carry knives and ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment, whatever the outdoor enthusiast in your life, be that you or someone else, might need. They're family-owned, members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau, and they'll get your items to you quickly. You can get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL at manventureoutpost.com. Again, it's 5% off, FTL, manventureoutpost.com. All right. Let's go right to the phones and talk with Bill in Virginia. Bill, are you with us? Yes. Uh, good evening, Stephanie Hi. and Mark. Hey. Welcome. Uh, I'd like to discuss uh, genetically modified seeds with you, if I could. Sure. sure. Um, I'm really uh, confused and uh, uh, basically, uh, you know, a, a little bit... Uh, Upset of, as they're they're constantly being vilified um, by people who know absolutely nothing about them, uh, other than you know uh, the, the the hysteria that people who are against them try to build up when they're one of the best developments in agriculture that has ever happened. You know, I I'm I feel you on this one honestly. I because I think I hear I, I work in the science field first of all, so I maybe have a little background about genetics and things like that. And I do hear a lot of people who just seem to be like really upset about genetically modified foods, but don't necessarily understand uh, exactly why or can give like articulate reasons. They'll just start saying things that sound a little like almost conspiratorial to me. On the other hand, I have heard, I mean, first of all, like let's back up and get to the really a basic issue. I think IP is probably one of the worst things about genetically modified foods. Intellectual which, property. Which is, you know, basically that the idea these companies create genetically modified crops and then they patent them. And then so the farmers has to license them. And then other farmers who didn't, you know, pay for those licenses, their crops get contaminated with pollen or whatever from those g- genetically modified crops. And then Monsanto usually sues the second farmer who didn't pay for their stuff, but they, you know, took a little snipping of their leaf and they found that their DNA was in the, the other farmer's food. And so uh, the patent system is really used in, I think, very evil ways, and it can bankrupt a lot of these small farmers. You, I've heard horror stories of that. But I, I do feel a little bit concerned because one of the, one of the, things that I read about genetically modified foods that sounds basically like legitimate to me from a scientific standpoint is that they're putting in these, um, these genes basically from other organisms for, you know, pest defense or pesticide resistance or other characteristics that are desirable in the genetically modified crops. Right. And some of those things can become proteins that are allergens to people. And so, you know, I do, I am kind of concerned about that. Of course, people are allergic to natural, you know, foods too, peanuts, 
other things, uh, soybeans. People can be allergic to just unmodified ones. But, uh, you know, that that raises my hackles a little bit. Uh, the other thing is that uh, um, I'm thinking about India, okay, and there are these uh, genetically modified cotton seeds, I believe, that were from Monsanto. And I'm, it's been a while since I've read about this, so I'm, I may not be getting my facts completely straight. But, like, uh, the farmers, there was some miscommunication where the farmers were buying these seeds. They didn't understand that they had to buy new seeds every year because they were so-called Terminator ones, like they uh, – they built in a gene to make the seeds sterile from the first generation of plants so that they'd have to buy the seed every year from Monsanto. And these farmers didn't understand that. And they ended up like going bankrupt and committing suicide and all this. So it it can have, you know, some disastrous. Go ahead, Bill. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Excuse me if I may here. Uh, You know, I farm here in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, Monsanto is a great seed producer, a great seed company. And they tell us that you, to, to not use these, reuse these seeds, which anybody, of course, who knows anything about agriculture would never do anyway. A hybrid seed, a non-genetically modified hybrid seed, cannot be reused. It doesn't produce a, a crop. Yeah. Yeah, that's, but I mean, I don't know what the... Sure we don't, you know that. You, but you, you don't know, know the culture I'm, in I'm, India. I'm glad to be able to talk to somebody who obviously knows a little something for a change. Here, you know, in the format that we're dealing with, sure. and you obviously know that. And so, how do we get off of vilifying Monsanto as a company? They put well, huge Monsanto. Of hold money on, Monsanto is a they company. Put huge amounts of money Bill. in developing these seeds, right? And. Should they not be able to patent their product? Like Absolutely not. Else? Um, no, I mean, you know, the, the, when it comes to creating good ideas, companies can create good ideas all the time. I mean, think about clothing for a second. There's no clothing patent out there. Um, you know, if you make, it, it, there's all there is a, a trademark. So yeah, I mean, companies make a fortune in the clothing industry, being first to market with a new idea, whatever that might idea might be. But the ideas should be free for people to use. Plants are an interesting case, too, real quick, and then I'll let you get in, Bill. But plants are an interesting case because I can think of a lot of different breeds of tomato or even like uh, cauliflower, broccoli, um, uh, mustard, greens. I believe there are all the same species of plant, but they, they're different cultivars, right? So they're different, like basically strains of that plant. And, you know, people have created different cultivars of all kinds of plants. Like, Mark, you brought in some tomatoes to the studio tonight. They were all different colors, different shapes and sizes. And I don't think anybody has, has ever... Uh-huh. And I don't think anybody has patented those, but somebody can still make money off of selling those seeds that come yeah. true to seed. Burpees going broke. So, I don't know, Bill, what do you think about that? Well, a hybrid, a hybrid seed, a genetically modified seed, is really nothing more than an advancement of the old... The old hybrid seeds. I mean, when I yep. plant a crop here, you know, it, it, well, for one thing, it's they're vili- genetically modified seeds are constantly vilified by a certain segment of society that that there there there's some danger in them or some other evil thing about them. When you know, I eat and my family eat the same food that you guys do, and I'm not going to be planting a crop that's going to be dangerous to my family's health or anybody else's sure. health in this country. Well, I am planting a crop from seed that is going to produce the best crop that I can produce. Yeah. And that is 
the 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 the, the, the for corn, it's the corn seeds from Monsanto. Whether people like Monsanto or whether they don't, I don't care. I use seed from Monsanto because it produces and it produces the best crop that I can produce. I got you. I don't my blame complaint, you for that. My complaint is with Monsanto, not with genetically modified foods. Now, when it comes to genetically modified orga- organisms, state I think it's... Your, state your problem with Monsanto. Monsanto goes after small farmers and sues them when they have, uh, you know, when when their seeds have gone in from one person's field and propagated in another person's field. They use the power uh, their, the power of the dollar that they have to uh, to drive... Uh, and lobby government for To, to lobby government and, and take these guys uh, to civil court where they can't afford to fight. If Monsanto came after you for whatever reason, you couldn't fight them. You'd have to roll over and give them whatever they want. And that's what happens to all these little farmers. I am a small farmer, Mark. Yeah. Have, has Monsanto sued you? you do. What's that? I said I am a small farmer, and I think I know a little bit more about this than you do. Well, I've, I've studied on it. Excuse me. Have you ever dealt with a Monsanto representative? I have never dealt with a Monsanto representative, no. They explain everything to you fully when you enter into a contract when you buy their seeds. They're suing people. And if you don't agree, if you don't want to agree to it, then you don't. Nobody's forcing me to plant Monsanto seed. They're not suing people. I I got you, Bill. Bill, they're suing people that didn't enter into contracts with them, too. And. That's, now, yeah, that's you know, the problem. I whenever it comes suing, to these contracts, Mark? I'm sorry, what? Who are they suing that didn't enter to the, into a contract? Oh, I see. The you call me up and I'm seeds. supposed to have a list of people that they've sued. Well, well, no, I'm no, telling we can, you. We can find this, though, Mark. There, as I understand it, you know, there can be cross-pollination, right, from one field to another, Bill, right? So somebody who has Monsanto have, seeds. will have cross-pollination in all crops. Right, but so... There could be GM DNA. Or not. Oh, okay, Bill, if you don't mind, would you would you hold your thought? I want to talk about this more with you, if you would. Hang on the line, please. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It'd be interesting to talk to people about genetically modified foods. Do you eat them? Do you grow them? Do you have an opinion on them? Call us. It's Free Talk Live. Are you a liberty activist or enthusiast looking to meet others like you? Do you want to advance capitalism, peace, and freedom, but aren't sure how? I'm Amanda Mill, Executive Director of Liberty on the Rocks, encouraging supporters of a free society to host happy hours. Activism and education doesn't need to be boring, and you can find free market friends. So start a Liberty on the Rocks network near you and begin connecting and informing libertarian thinkers over drinks. Visit www.libertyontherocks.org. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Free Talk Live. It's the second hour of tonight's program, the live Sunday edition with Stephanie. And Mark. And we're glad that you've joined us tonight. 855-450-3733 is the number where you can call and bring up anything that's on your mind. Uh, We have been talking about a specific issue right now, though, with Bill in Virginia. He's a farmer, and he wanted to talk to us about genetically modified seeds. And let's let's bring Bill back on the line. Bill, are you still with us? Stephanie? Yep. Okay. Thanks for holding. Um, So I guess I think Mark has some questions for you, but I want to ask you, I'm kind of curious. I mean, you you have a positive opinion of Monsanto. You use their products. 
Uh, a lot of people don't like them. And as I understand it, you're upset because, you know, you, you think people are ignorant about the real issues and the science behind this. Um, but I'm just curious, like if you if your customers were demanding to have GM free seeds or, you know, non-genetically modified crops, would you switch to growing those instead or do you or would you not? If that was my where my market was, uh, I would, of course, uh, I, I would cater to whoever my customer was and who was, um, you know, providing me my income. Mm-hmm. So do you think the growing the genetically modified seeds as you are currently is serving market demand as you see it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's very, very, very few farmers, um, you know, who that don't uh, very much appreciate Monsanto research and Monsanto seed. Sure, I, I, bet that's I believe true. that. And I think Monsanto really does, in a lot of ways, serve the farmers that contract with them. Um, I guess, you know, one of my concerns is is that the Internet is rife with uh, stories of small farmers who have dealt with Monsanto, um, whether they've signed a contract or not, and uh, basically been driven out of business as We a brought some of them up during the break. I yeah, mean, individual stories, lists of them. How many, how many results from Google? 155,000 if you Google, like, Go Monsanto and, sues small farmers. Go ahead and check out those results. Um, they, at you your, know, they even have something on their own website. I just pulled up the Monsanto website, Monsanto.com, and there's a header that says, why does Monsanto sue farmers who save seeds? And then they explain, you know, they try to go through the, well, you know, when farmers purchase a patented seed variety, they sign an agreement that they will not save and replant the seeds produced from the seed they buy. So, I mean... That's their agreement. And and that's their agreement. And that's, I don't really have much of an issue with it if they sign an agreement, but... And they're clear on the agreement they've signed. Yeah, but the people, it seems like there are people who are getting sued by them who never signed an agreement with them. And it's just basically that they're, they're, uh, I read this story here. Let me just read this real quick. Um, This is from CBSnews.com. It's a story of a a couple who had a 900 acre farm, so a small farm in Indiana, almost lost it all over a seed they never planted. Uh, The Runyon's charge biotech giant Monsanto sent investigators to their home unannounced demanded years of farming records, and later threatened to sue them for patent infringement. Uh, the Runyons say an anonymous tip led Monsanto to, to su- suspect that genetically modified soybeans were growing on their property. And that's a story, I know this is just a, a you know one story of one farm, but I've, I have to say that I've heard that more than once, actually many times. So if they never signed an agreement with Monsanto, then I'd feel concerned about the use of IP. That really seems like an ab- abuse of power. What do you think about that, Bill? I think that it's like most things that uh, it's uh, it's uh, people want to vilify a large company uh, simply because they're a large company, a large corporation. I am not, you know, uh, in support of anything other than who provides me with the best product that I can possibly get to produce the best product that I can possibly produce. And that, hands down, is Monsanto. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um, Now, I guess California is looking at creating a law that would require labeling for genetically modified organisms um, and 
that's really all they're proposing is that it would just be a label so that customers could decide whether or not they wanted genetically modified organisms um, as uh, their food or not. Do you – I mean, you, you seemed upset about people's uh, ignorance in the area of uh, GM, GMOs. Do you think that this is a problem? Well, I think that people should – people have every right to, to buy whatever they want to buy. And I think uh, at, at, by the same token, I think as a farmer and uh, the rest of uh, the farmers out here have every right to be able to buy seed from and, and the type of seed that they want to plant. Oh yeah, I I, I agree with you. Agree Bill. That, uh, they they have whatever rights they want to do as as far as dealing with folks um, in in that way. And I think that um, when it comes to GMO foods, it's one of the problems of the internet. We went in uh, one short decade from, or maybe a, it's a little longer than that, but not much more than um, a decade at this point from knowing little to knowing so much we can't make a decision. And if you look at too many, there's there's too many items out there where you can go and you can look on the internet for information. If you type in genetically modified seeds, you will get so much information that you can't possibly look at it all inside of a week. Yeah, it's hard. And then once you have read all of that information, you will then not be able to make a determination between what you've read because there will be so many, I'm using quote marks here, facts uh, presented to you. That you can't make a decision. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah, I don't know when it comes to genetically modified seeds, whether they grow food that is this Franken food that's going to eat me from the inside out, or whether or not it's just a better way to make corn. I I don't know. As an ignorant uh, consumer out there who's looking to buy stuff, I don't know that. Now, I do some... I'm a a micro farmer. Uh, We have a large garden at my house and Mm -hmm. obviously we don't want plants where you can't, uh, you know, harvest seeds and stuff like that. We want to harvest our own seeds. We want to plant the seeds from the plants again and and that kind of thing. So we use heritage uh, seeds there. I'm not doing that because... Absolutely. That's a, that's a, a good convenience, and it also will produce a better crop the next year because it becomes suited to the soil and the climate that it was grown in. I didn't even know when that. When you say that seed. I wouldn't even know that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, and one thing and, I want to say positive about, you know, genetic modification of foods. Um, are you familiar with the, what is it called, the golden rice bill? Uh, there was some company that made... Um, a rice plant that makes actually vitamin A because there are a lot of populations where they can grow rice, but the their diet is like low in vitamin A. So um, it's to prevent basically vitamin deficiency. Mm. So, I mean, that sounds like a cool technological advance to me. Um, although I have heard a lot of other people who are very concerned, you know, that um, antibiotic or excuse me, um, pesticide resistance genes are contributing to like a huge overuse of pesticides, like the Roundup Ready soybeans, where, you know, you spray, spray the whole field and the soybeans are resistant. But then the, the pesticide actually will run into rivers and stuff. And so that well, seems like a legitimate uh, concern. That, uh, Roundup's not a pesticide. It's, it's a herbicide. It's a, uh, herbicide. Me. And... Uh, the, the, the there are other ones Roundup that are resistant to pesticides. Yeah. The use of Roundup-resistant seeds is, is a great uh, environmental benefit because of the, 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 I have to do much less cultivation on those seeds because I can spray the Roundup, and therefore I have less erosion, and therefore you know I have a lot less runoff into the streams. I have a lot less... Uh, 
uh, contamination into any creeks and, that are feeding into the rivers that are feeding into the bay down here. Okay. So explain well, to me yeah, why, that's explain to me why to there's less erosion from spraying. The, uh, where's the less erosion come from? Well, if, if when you can't spray to control weeds, you have to till to control weeds. Till, okay. And anytime you disturb the soil, you're going to have more erosion. I this got is, it. That's, yep. It's fluffier, and the rain can wash it away easier. Got yep, it. That, that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, and right. one thing and that it, the, the uh, organic proponents out there will say, and I, I get it from all sides here, Bill. Believe me, I get it from all sides. One We're going to get emails. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that the organic proponents will say is that, look, organic foods can produce at the same level that these GMOs can, that they can be just as bountiful and produce just as much. You see, the problem with that, Mark, is that if I could do that, that's what anybody would do, because it would be cheaper, to, but it's not the way it is. And yeah. It's just just because you want it to be that way, it's, it's not the way it is. I, I hear you, you Bill. Have, Thanks for the call tonight. we got a, other callers. we got to move on. This has been interesting. It's Free Talk yeah, Live. Tell us about genetically modified foods, 855-450-FREE. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday night edition here with uh, Stephanie and Mark. And we welcome you to the show. You can call us at 855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733, though the phones are loaded up with people who want to talk about genetically modified foods and other things that we've been discussing tonight, Mark. So, uh, yeah, you you, uh, <laughs> you can call about anything, but uh, we don't guarantee you to get you on quickly if there's a lot of other callers to. I want to tell you about a great news site. If you're interested in Bitcoins, uh, I am very interested in Bitcoins. They're an Internet currency that allow you to send and receive money uh, without any fees. Uh, check out blockchain.info. Blockchain.info is an online Bitcoin wallet. They also have apps for Android and uh, jailbroken iPhones. Uh, Thanks to fancy encryption techniques, blockchain never even has access to your money. In fact, they can't even know how much money you are sending or receiving. With blockchain, with a blockchain wallet, you can even send bitcoins via email or to your Facebook friends or to anyone's cell phone number in just about every country around the world. So they don't need to have a bitcoin wallet in order to see, receive bitcoins from you. And they offer all this for free. Get your free bitcoin wallet today at blockchain.info. Very cool. Yeah, yep, it's, it's a great service. Really excited about bitcoins. All right, let's go to the phones. We're going to talk with David in Montana. David, you with us? Yes, how do you? Hey, Hi. What wasn't uh, addressed was the problem is with the Monsanto crops. If their pollen blows over onto another guy's farm that ain't growing Monsanto crops, the pollen turns his crops into the GMO. Then they come over and say, you got... Patent our- infringement. Yeah. We and did. They, we they, did they uh, read steal a. Steal your crop from you, man. That, I think 
if they're going to grow that stuff, they're responsible to keep their own pollen on their own land. Yeah, I don't see how they, anybody... If they should put up something that stops the pollen, because look, if, if they go, if there's a prevailing wind, they could go around to every farmer, go on the, the side that the pollen blows onto their property, take yeah. it over, boom. And according to the, in, you know, some of the stories we've read on the internet, the horror stories of this, that that is a very real concern for some people. So, I mean, it almost kind of forces off people's heirloom seeds. You know, a, yeah. a farmer up in Canada was growing his own wheat or something like that, and his grandfather, he was using seeds of his great grandfather, you know, from yeah. his own, you know, seeds and everything. And then Monsanto stuff blew on his crop and they came and stole his his crop. Yeah, I've heard you many. Know, and, and one crop could put farmer out of business. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you know, the stories and I don't know how often it happens. I don't know if it's happening every day or every week or every month. I don't have any idea. If, but it's been if, happening a long time. I remember this. Yeah. It goes back eight years ago, you know, that the, the Canadian farmer got nailed. Yeah, David, and, thank, and, thanks and for GMO the... GMO-fed corn, fed mouse dies. Well, I, I wanted, there's well a, mice are just about humans, everybody who's but... eating corn all over the world is eating a genetically modified uh, form right. of... There is hardly any... Oh, I think blue yeah. corn is the only non-GMO corn now. Yeah. Right. David, thanks thanks for your thoughts tonight and your call. Appreciate all, that. All mice, not yet dead, will be dead at some point. <laughs> yeah, and mice aren't humans. I mean, that's another important uh, point to remember. But I have to say, you know, I was thinking about this during the break, like kind of reflecting on Bill's call. And honestly, I don't eat, whether it's genetically modified or not, I don't eat corn, soy, or wheat anyway. Uh, I mean, you could make the argument that not only are those the most uh, subsidized crops by the government, they're also the most commonly genetically modified. Uh, modified, yeah. Mm. Modified. <laughs> I can talk sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think that, you know, there are some good arguments that those crops are not really meant for human consumption. You know, that humans are not meant to eat a diet that's mostly on based off of grains when we have this hunter-gatherer um history this that we've this, evolved uh, based on primal diet this uh paleo sure. diet that, that that you're on and the huge incidence of gluten intolerance and stuff like that i mean the idea that whole grains are so-called healthy is kind of being eroded very quickly uh nowadays but you know let's let's take some more phone calls i want to find out what some other people think let's go to mike in texas mike are you with us yes i've uh, i've I'm raised on a family farm mm-hmm. and um I'm really uh, confused on Bill's part because I think there's a big difference between what he's talking about and where everybody gets confused. There's something called agriculture, which that's what people used to do when they farmed, and then there's something now called agribusiness that's subsidized by the government, which you were just touching on. Mm. And I'll say it straight up. We've been affected as a family farm by this uh, Monsanto beast. They don't like competition, and I'll keep it straight and simple. Here's exactly what's happening to everybody, and it's, I know it's personally happened to somebody in our family. What happens is, is somebody uh, right next to it, the fields are right next to each other, by the way, in case you don't know. You can have one field of GMO crop and another field where somebody's been saving their seeds for, you know, a generation of seeds for 100 years, you know, or mm-hmm. 20 years. That, that's their own variety of corn. Yep. And just like the previous caller says, the pollen blows into the other field. And then what Monsanto does, they're such a beast, they'll send somebody out to go check the corn where the farmer has been saving his seeds. And the reason why 
this is such a well, this is what everybody misses. You can plant one seed of corn and get an average of 800 seeds the next year from that one seed, and that's where the only true wealth comes from when you're farming. The only true wealth comes straight from the ground. If I didn't learn anything when I was a kid, when I grew up on a farm, I learned that right there. Now, Bill so Monsanto realizes this, and they don't like competition. And competition is somebody using their you know, seed that, that's not patented by them. But And here's what people don't understand. Wait a, wait a second. Wait a second. I have friends that are farmers that use Monsanto seeds, and I was talking to Bill there, and obviously these guys are making a decent living by selling uh, you know, their, the Monsanto seeds. There's got to be a benefit to these things. Otherwise, people wouldn't be signing the contracts. To, so, to a say great that benefit. Only... I'm, not, I'm not saying there's not a great benefit. There's a huge benefit. Okay. The Monsanto seeds will produce a heavier yield. You'll get more bushels to the acre with a Monsanto seed. Uh, and I'm not arguing that okay, fact. Okay. It's a huge difference between okay. the two. I just want to be what intellectually about the honest. That here? doesn't want to participate in the system and spray their crops with yep. this yeah. glyphosate, which is a what that glyphosate is. That corn that they're planting, Monsanto produces a genetically modified corn. They impregnate the DNA with this glyphosate resistant gene, yeah. and they spray this corn. And then when the cows eat it, it goes into their gut. If you were to feed a cow from its beginning of its life to the end. It would be sick and dying. The only reason why they don't do that, they fatten up the cows about the last couple of months to fatten them up to send them to the slaughterhouse with this GMO corn. They couldn't do it their whole lifespan. It would kill them. And I know this to be a fact. Well, cows so, don't. You know, Bill didn't touch all this stuff, and I know this. Is that Mike? I grew is, up on can I just? Cow, uh, you know, we ha- we raise cows. Just and to corn. clarify, Mike, is did would the cows die because of the amount of pesticide that's in the corn, or because of the genes that are causing the pesticide? Or resistance? because it's corn? I mean, cows don't eat corn. Well, yeah, that's well, another cows thing. were never meant to eat that much corn right. and much less that much genetically modified corn with pesticide glyphosate on it. And, and that's the biggest yeah. problem. Their gut starts producing this uh, pesticide inside of it. Uh, if you think about it, cows were supposed to graze grass and green stuff. They were never supposed to be released in fields of corn. And instead of them being released <laughs> yeah. in a field of corn, which they'd have to work for the corn, they actually get force-fed this stuff. That would yeah. it, it, I call I, it Frankenfood. Yeah, thank you for the call, Mike. I I appreciate what he's saying. I mean, I can I can empathize with that a lot. Cows are not really meant to eat corn, and it causes all kinds of problems. Whether it's GM corn, which may have its own problems, or conventional corn. Some of these claims need to be checked. I can't check them. Sure, uh, but it's important to listen to our listeners too. So eight five five four fifty free. If you have something to say on this issue, it's free talk live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL's also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. This is the live Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. You can call us at 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE to get your thoughts in about well, we've been talking about genetically modified foods, but you can really bring up anything that's on your mind. And uh, Mark? Yes. Oh, uh, you want to talk about <laughs> BitInstant.com? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, I, you asked me last week if I had used BitInstant, 
And I hadn't used it last week, but I did use it this week. Oh, really? How, what was your experience like? BitInstant.com is a way for you to get Bitcoins. So, Yep. I was really happy with it. I just I used it online through so, Dwalla. So you go and you go to BitInstant.com, you get some kind of deposit number, uh, mm-hmm. and then you make a deposit at a local bank. Or did you use a bank or did you no, use No, I didn't. I used uh, Dwalla, which is an online banking service. Okay. So you transferred money into Dwalla somehow? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I transferred that to BitInstant. And um, yeah, it was... It was great. They have a, a large like number of options that you can do. So there's lots of different ways to, to use BitInstant. And lots of different fee levels to each one of those ways. So you should check that out before you use it. Yeah, but their fees are definitely um, way less. I mean, of course, they have to charge a small fee for sure. something, but they're way less than, like for instance, a credit card or PayPal. You know, nothing's free in this world and it costs money to transfer from one uh, currency to another. Yes. Um, you know, the, the lower the bid instant can get it, the, the better it will be. But at this point, they're highly competitive. And by that, I think that they're probably the you know the lowest way to do it or at least uh, the lowest easy way to do it. There may be a, an easier way out there. Mm-hmm. If you want to get bitcoins, you can do it with bitinstant.com. There's more than 750,000 locations worldwide and it makes it easy. So bitinstant.com. All right. Uh, let's go right back to the phones. On the amp line, we've got Aaron in Manchester, New Hampshire. Aaron, are you with us? Yeah, good evening, Stephanie and Mark. I wanted to make a quick mention about the split speed limits, and at least there are three reasons that California justifies for continuing to have them. Um, and you mentioned the first one, which is fuel economy. Um mm-hmm. You know, you don't burn up as much fuel doing 55 as you do to doing 70. And is that true, uh, second- or is that just a truism or a myth? I'm, I don't know. It's you'll save some. Okay. Um, my truck gets about half a mile per gallon better. Okay. And when you do three thousand miles a week, that adds up pretty quick. Yeah, because I mean, this is one of those things uh, where it's you know it's, it's difficult to know because obviously you use it costs more fuel to go faster, but you also go faster and you get to wherever you're going right. more quickly. So the question is, is uh, you know you you spent more fuel to get there, but what's it? What is it over the the long term? And uh, you know, I do think that you save a little bit of fuel by going um, you know more slowly. But that's actually a transmission issue more than anything. If they can make these, uh, you know, gears so that the vehicle's geared to go quickly enough, that's really an issue of the transmission. And vehicles don't seem to be, uh, you know, geared in order to go this quickly. Hmm. So, Aaron, just to clarify, are you a professional truck driver? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Um, And I would say that what you lose in productivity from going slower is almost always greater than what you save in fuel savings um, mm. because you are less productive. Yeah, and, and you, you get paid by the hour, um, you know, no matter what. Or you get paid by the trip, so therefore by going more slowly, you put more hours into the trip, right? Exactly. I get paid by the mile. So, so, a half, so if you save a half a gallon of fuel, that's $2.50, <laughs> but you spent another hour on the road, that's, you know, $10 or whatever, $20, $30 an hour, whatever it is that you're worth, then, you know, it's, it doesn't equal out. Exactly. Um, and then the second reason for the split speed limits that they say is safety, because a truck going 55 can stop in a shorter distance than a truck doing 70. Yep. The problem with that is... You now have trucks doing 55 and cars doing 70, and the car drivers are, well, stupid. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those things is people don't know what it's like to be in the truck, and the split speed limit makes the trucks uh, these impediments on the road. It forces exactly. them to be impediments. It, it creates right. a, a culture of contempt with the car drivers. 
They are contemptuous of trucks, and they do incredibly stupid things around them because of it. Yep. And then the third reason, and this is actually probably the best justification for it, in my opinion, is a truck doing 70 miles an hour causes far more road damage than a truck doing 55. 80,000 pounds mm. bouncing along at 70 causes far more destruction to the infrastructure. And that's a, I think that's the best argument for it. I don't think that the others really hold weight. Um, but I, and I still and I personally disagree with the speed, split speed limits. I think it should be the same for both. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's. I think it's dangerous to have split speed limits. Um, you know, obvious. I agree with you that uh, trucks do more damage going more quickly. Um, I think that that's probably an issue of innovation, and that uh, the people that build roads need to build roads so that trucks can go seventy or eighty miles an hour on them, like cars do. But. I think that it's it makes it it's the most dangerous thing that they can do. Whatever savings there is in uh, tax dollars is cost in human lives um, and, product, oh, sure. and productivity. When you put these fifty-five mile an hour, uh, you know, giant rolling homes uh, out there on <laughs> on the freeway, um, and then people are trying to go eighty or eighty-five around them. Yep. Well, that's all I had to say. So Thanks, Aaron. All right, Aaron. Thanks for the call tonight. Um, yeah, it it's kind of interesting with the 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 whole split speed limit thing and and trucking. I mean, I I wonder what would happen if the Google technology was basically allowed to be extended to trucks and implemented. I mean, all those truckers, the Google technology, the uh, the self driving car, self driving uh, cars, and I think we're just a few years out on this thing getting going you know i mean at this point legislators are actually trying to make it possible for people to you know test these things google has tested it for years at this point there's never been an accident at which the google self-driving car was at fault and there's other people coming into the market competing in this area so you really have to ask yourself, I never even considered this in the area of trucks, Stephanie, and I'm uh, glad you brought it up, but I was just thinking about it. What, is it. what would it be like to commute to work when, you know, you can take a nap or oh, you yeah. can talk to your family or you can you do have whatever. a meeting. You could do your work in yeah, the car. You could do whatever you want that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really does. You know, it's, it's really quite interesting. But this is int- this is further interesting because trucks essentially would just need to be manned in the sense that, you know, somebody kind of keeps an eye on them. Right, right now, the Google, there's a driver sitting in the driver's seat. They just don't touch the steering wheel or the pedals mm-hmm. and the car drives itself. You know, and once it's once these things have had a chance to be tested and see the safety and they can work together and that kind of thing, trucks will be, you know, I mean, that much more efficient at getting things from one place to the other. Because currently drivers are only allowed to drive 10 hours out of the day. Mm -hmm. And that means that 14 hours out of the day, a professional driver and this is a person who's highly trained and, uh, you know, willing to give up their life to be a long haul truck driver. And as far as I'm concerned, America's great heroes. Um, they thank you, know, you for your service. That's right. <laughs> you know, these guys, uh, you know, they're, they're taking off the road 14 hours out of the day with these Google things. They'd be able to sit there. They'd be able to man them. It, you know, maybe it wouldn't be as skilled of a job. I don't know. Mm. You know, maybe they maybe maybe their skills would come into play in other ways. I don't know the answer to that. And even further, but I mean, things would get from one place to another uh, more quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they that, that they'd be cheaper. Times because, money. Yep. And so it's going to be less costly. And think about this for a second, Stephanie. Mobile homes, uh, RVs, driving around in just like a slow circle someplace where they don't have to pay no property, property taxes. taxes. Interesting. Yay. <laughs> I really like that idea. And see what happens when you get creative and extend some of these new technologies into different areas. You never really know what you're going to come up with. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Uh, if only the government would step out of the way and allow these things to, to come to fruition. 
Um, you know, Mark, we were talking about corn subsidies in the last segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, we weren't really talking that much about corn subsidies. The caller, Mike from Texas, brought it up at the very beginning of his call. But I just quickly Googled while he was talking federal corn subsidies in the U.S. And it looks like, according to this website, farm.ewg.org, that uh, corn subsidies in the United States uh, from 1995 to 2011, so that's a six-year period, how much do you want to take a guess about how how many dollars were spent by the government on corn subsidies? No, but I do know there's a joke out there, and I'm not telling this joke on uh, Bill, uh, the caller, former caller's expense here. But I, I, you know, my family's from Indiana, and um, you know, so I've heard farmer jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, they are far- corn farmers. Is that farmers are buried three feet in the ground so they can still get their hands out for the government handout uh, even after they're dead. Yuck, uh, yuck, and, yuck. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it says that farmers take a lot of handouts. Yep. $87.1 billion in corn subsidies from 1995 to 2011 in the U.S. of A. It's Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Call us with whatever's on your mind. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show, Sunday Night Edition with Stephanie and Mark. And uh, hey, if you have some shopping to do on Amazon, why not do it through Free Talk Live's link or actually on a bunch of other sites too. Free Talk Live has a whole shop page. You can go to shop.freetalklive.com. But chief among them is Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably makes up the most of the Free Talk Lives. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> a little spiff. And of course, we're talking about if you enter Amazon or one of these other sites through Free Talk Lives referral link, they'll get a small percentage of the purchase price. And on Amazon, it does not affect your, pri- your the price that you pay. Nope. Same at price, all. Is same service. Yep, same same exact thing, and all it does is just send Free Talk Live a little tip to, to say thanks. But those, of course, those little tips add up over time, and it can help Free Talk Live grow. So shop.freetalklive.com. And, of course, you can call us at 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE. You know, Mark, we started off the show um, talking about, and we had so many calls, which is, I love to hear from our listeners. That's good thing. That's great. Um, so keep them coming. But um, we were talking about this article about a county in Maryland. It's Prince George's County, which is kind of near Washington, D.C. And apparently there have been a spate of vandalisms of their red light cameras. And we started uh, talking about red light cameras and speed. Oh, I thought it was in Baltimore. Oh, so it's near D.C. Okay, great. They say, uh, yeah, a neighbor of Washington, D.C. So, um, but it is in Maryland. Uh, anyway, so basically there have been a spate of vandalisms of their cameras. Their, uh, in this case, their speed cameras. So what did they do? Instead of addressing the root of the issue, which is why don't people like these cameras? Why are they vandalizing them? Yeah, the people that we serve. <laughs> they have installed another layer of cameras to watch the cameras. So, again, this is from smartplanet.com. I'm just going to skip a little bit down since we already read the very beginning of this article. They say, already since April, one speed camera has been shot, 
Another was flipped over. <laughs> so to shoot a speed camera, uh, is a speed camera? Yeah. Okay. You probably, I mean, can, I can't even imagine how this goes, right? I mean. <laughs> and this I, is supposed to be where their guns are banned too, right? Well, I mean, could you imagine firing a handgun outside of a, I, 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 if you certainly don't want to fire it inside of a car. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess you're leaning out, firing it outside of the car. I can't even imagine what that's like. I've never done any, any such thing, I suppose. Never done some, a drive Somebody by. listening here has uh, fired a handgun out of the, the, car, the, the window of a car, but what it would take to hit something in a moving car, hit a speed camera i don't know that's oh weird. yeah you got to wonder if people had tried before and been unsuccessful and <laughs> right. just I mean, <laughs> handguns aren't known for their accuracy over distance uh, right are, are you firing a rifle out of the car <laughs> i mean i just don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so one has been shot another was flipped over another was set on fire <laughs> <laughs> and it cost between thirty thousand dollars and a hundred thousand dollars gee whiz Oh my, that's outrageous! That's like the uh, eight million dollar toilet seat. How much does uh, how much does the Freedom Cam cost? A couple hundred bucks at most. Yeah, a couple hundred bucks at most. Yeah, uh, not thirty thousand or a hundred thousand. I mean, that is just beyond the pale. Uh, <laughs> this is not a technology a community wants to regularly replace. Well, the community didn't want it in the first place. They they don't want to replace it. Yes, but they didn't want it in the first place. So this is all speed cameras that are getting it, not the yes. red light cameras. Okay. Uh huh. Um, I don't know if they red have... Red light cams are a lot smaller and a lot higher up. Right. Yeah. I, I. It's unclear whether they have red light cameras in this district, but definitely the speed cameras have not been popular. Um, so the county is turning to some familiar technology to try to solve the problem. And this is where things start getting meta. <laughs> WTOP reports, now there's a new solution, cameras to watch the cameras. One is already in place, and Prince George's County Police Major Robert V. Liberati hopes to have a dozen more before the end of the year. So I wonder if they're spending another you know, $100,000 on the camera to watch the camera. It's just insane. Uh, wow, said the, says the blogger. And what will happen when someone vandalizes the camera that's watching the camera watching your car? I'm afraid to find out. Are they going to add a third camera? <laughs> yeah, what are they going to do about that? I mean, it, it, I guess criminals aren't known for reading the newspaper and, uh, you know, researching uh, these kind of things. But I just, I, I mean, you know, at some point or another, people are going to figure out there's cameras watching the cameras. And then they're right. going to go after first. We have to get the camera. Then we can get the camera. <laughs> Set it on fire and cost the taxpayer another hundred thousand dollars. It's not really costing the taxpayer because the taxpayer is already it already cost them when uh, when the camera was purchased. It's but the purchasing you, of a new one that the bureaucrats are going to demand. Yeah, and you better believe that like even if they are, had already stolen that money from the unsuspecting people in this county, that the next year it's going to be oh we don't have enough money for these cameras. It's going to be anarchy. People are going right. to be dying you in know, the our, streets. Our, our uh, bureaucrats, uh, their pensions can't be met. I mean, they're constantly. Yeah. These, these communities just don't know how to save money. There are a lot of places in the U.S. where they don't have speed cameras or red light cameras, and they get along just fine, you know? My town doesn't have cops. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so they, this article goes on to say that this county is expected to bring in $8 million this year from the cameras, while D.C. made That's what it's all about, baby. $55 million last year. Fifty-five million. So I guess that maybe that pays for the cameras. I don't know, but even still, I mean, they're still robbing people. They're still extorting people, right? If you want to drive on our road monopoly, then you have to be subject to these cameras that can say you're speeding and then send you a bill. 
I, you know, I just keep going back that if there was competition in the area of roads, um, then you would you would see innovations in ways to get people to, uh, you know, go the proper speed limits. I'm not going to claim that there aren't people that speed. Um, I'm not going to claim that there doesn't need to be some kind of controls in those areas. I tend to think that speed limits are gen- set artificially low in order to increase revenue. Um, you know, wasn't there a study one time? I wanted to ask you this before, but um, didn't get to it. There was a study that I heard about. I think it was from Brad Jardis, who was on this show once, and he was talking about this, where somebody did a study and basically made a histogram of all the speeds of the cars going by, and that the speed limit was actually set at the 30th percentile of of that distribution. So what that means is that only 30% of the cars were going at or below the the speed limit that they ended up posting. 70% of them were going above that speed. Yeah, I've heard that number, but I mean, it's still artificial in the sense that how, you know, how what was the speed limit down the road? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people are, how, how are people reacting here? Yeah. And I'm not sure what the proper speed is for any given road. I don't know how to, f- to even know that information. Well, the answer but is the it varies. the suggestion in most communities that there's some guys with white lab coats out there, you know, studying the information, <laughs> yeah, I think right. is absolute, lo- absolute ludicrous no you know some government bureaucrat somewhere decides that this is what the speed limit ought to be it's not voted on nobody makes a decision they just do it sometimes they do a so-called traffic study but it's by a government contractor right who has who knows the police department as far as i'm concerned they're just another government worker if they're getting a check from the government they're another government worker yeah i i think that their incentives really show that and i mean yeah what would it be like if we didn't have those arbitrary limits I think a lot of people are scared of that. You know, they're scared of that possibility. But again, we don't know until we turn it over to the market, you know, and we allow that to happen. I I think that what it's, you know, our, our savior in this area is going to come from technology and that technology is going to be the driverless cars that uh, yeah. Google and other companies are working on. Uh, I think we're just, you know, I think we're probably less than a decade from implementation of this and that it's really going to change so. everything. I think they could be implemented now. Well, they the already have some level of implementation way. in that area for, uh, you know, you know they, they automatically stop and mm-hmm. if there's a problem. They've been street like tested, that. right, for two years? Well, I'm just talking about real cars right now. Oh, I see. You can buy, have, you know, this kind of, t- to some level of this technology going on Yeah, they on have already. backup sensors and they'll stop if there's like a kid or a dog in the back Say of the Say that you're, getting too, you're gaining too quickly on the car in front of you or whatever. whatever they'll, they'll apply the brakes, whatever. So they've got you know, little I systems. Could, I could see how that might be dangerous too, like especially if somebody doesn't expect that if the driver is not used to it or doesn't expect it, um, that could be a problem. But I I don't know. I mean, how many of those technologies I haven't heard any accidents being reported because of these things, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I do say, I will say that I find backup cameras in particular annoying because they often make noises that are very distracting. Like I've seen newer cars that have them mm-hmm. and they you know, they can be pretty distracting. Uh, I'm not wealthy enough to know what that's like. Uh, neither am I. Other people's cars. <laughs> um, advertise on Free Talk Live. Help Mark buy a backup camera. <laughs> Just what I need. <laughs> but actually, I heard um, I heard a news story recently saying that oh, the government just passed something that mandated by like 2016 all new cars will have to have backup cameras. Hmm. And so, what that really in effect does, Ma- Mazda Miata. Yeah, is 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 actually raise the price of cars for people who are try- who are poor or maybe they're buying their first car. And like you always this say, is Mark, what all uh, regulations do on cars is that they just increase the level of getting into the car, the next yep. car. 
and it knocks the bottom rungs out the ladder of success. That's like, right. Like you always like to say, I really like that phrase because it's very descriptive. Not mine. It's Dr. Mary Ruart's from Healing Our World. Right. And you can um, get it at book.freetalklive.com for oh, free. Oh, very nice. <laughs> it's Free Talk Live. You can call us 855 855- Four five zero three seven three three. Tell us what's on your mind. You can talk about speed cameras or anything else you like. Uh, and uh, maybe you have some uh, speeding enforcement stories that would be interesting to know. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Free Talk Live. This is the Sunday night edition with Stephanie and Mark. We're kicking off the third hour of tonight's show. Uh, Free Talk Live is our website. One more time. Just want to mention that. I don't think I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, which we usually do. But did you know that you can actually submit stories to the Free Talk Live website, which will then get voted up or voted down by people who view the site? And if your story is popular, it'll make it to the top of the page. It'll have more eyes on it. And uh, we might even use it for show prep. So uh, right there at freetalklive.com, at the top of the front page, you'll find a way to submit stories. I think you have to make an account, right? Log in. And- you do have to have an account to, to submit stories. But, uh, but- you know, it's, it's, it's a highly interactive website, probably more interactive than uh, at least the vast majority of commercial radio programs out there. And it's a highly interactive show, so it makes sense. Absolutely. All right. Well, Free Talk Live is a show where you can call about anything that's on your mind at 855-450-3733. Let's go right to the phones. We've got uh, Eric on the line in Columbus. Eric, are you with us? Yeah. Hi. Welcome to the show. I I was uh, calling into weighing on the the speed limit issue. Sure. Um, I I was thinking about it, and I know it adds some sort of subjectivity into it, but as far as speed limit goes, it would be maybe helpful if it was an unsafe speeding type of situation. Because mm-hmm. obviously if you're on an interstate and it's straight away and it's 2 in the morning and you're driving 80 and the speed limit's 65, you're not really doing anything unsafe. There's no cars on the road and whatnot. And, um, so I may have been doing that on the way home from Free Talk Live last Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's that's the one of the two times I've been pulled over for speeding is just that situation. It's two in the morning. Of course, this is in New York, so right. yep. you sneeze in New York, you get arrested. For and it, I think so. that you know, I think that what you bring up is really relevant. A, how old is the driver? Um, you know, that's mm, how well is their night vision? Right. What's their working? night vision like? Uh, you know, what, what are, are, what's the reaction raining? time? Is it raining? Is it dry? Snowing. Is it light? Is it dark? Is it uphill? Um, you know, what is there debris on the road? There's all 
kinds of, you know, what's the visibility like as far as hills and, or versus a flat road? There's all kinds of things that just don't get taken into, uh, you know, into consideration when you're just talking about some regular old black and white metal sign on the side of the road saying this is the right speed to travel. Mm-hmm. And but they do cover their butts and, and say Except that when there's bad weather conditions and it's uh, too fast, you know, that it's at any point a police officer can say that you're going too fast for the uh, weather conditions and that's subjective as it could be. Yeah. Sometimes they even have minimum speed limits. You ever seen those? Yeah, I've seen those. uh, I think it's 45 around here. But uh, like I know there's probably going to be at least a hard speed limit at some point because obviously take just downtown Dean, for instance, you probably don't want anybody driving 50 through Main Street. Yeah. I don't think you yeah. could possibly safely do that. So At least I, I, during I, the daytime when people are walking. Right, exactly. And, and the other time that I got pulled over was actually in Fitzwilliam, and it is a place where it goes from 50 down to 30 to go through, uh, you know, that an intersection, and it goes right back up to 50 again. But there's really no reason to slow down because there's visibility in both directions, blah, 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 blah. That's a trap for so. the cops. That's and, a revenue this, uh, speed limit. This is everywhere has uh, something like this, is, yeah. uh, you know, someplace where, you know, you're traveling along a state road and... Uh, you know, there's some optimistic gas station that calls itself a town uh, that you have to <laughs> you have to slow down to 30 miles an hour to go past and the, the gas station. And the sheriff is always parked right in that gas station right, waiting because, for you. Because that's because that's where it's dangerous. Yeah. You know, it's dangerous right. there. You know, what's dangerous is people wandering out in the middle of the road. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is anything else on your mind, Eric? No, not a bit. All right. Thanks for your call. Appreciate that. Uh, Mark. You know, you had a story that I wanted to get into. We were talking about food a little bit earlier tonight on the program on Free Talk Live. And, of course, 855-450-3733 is our number if you want to comment on anything that's on your mind. But, you know, we had started to talk about genetically modified foods. And you had an article that you brought in uh, about... Well, it's it's kind of a critique of the way that I choose to eat, the, the paleo-style diet, the caveman-type diet, or cavewoman, whatever. Um, and it's about somebody who's asserting that early humans were vegetarians. Yeah, this is uh, blogs.scientificamerican.com. And it's a, it's a really great read because, you know, the author here, Rob Dunn, is a really great author. Writer, And I guess I just have some, you know, sort of some thoughts on you. I'm going to read bits of it and see what you have to, to, to say on it. It says, right now, one half of all Americans are on a diet. The other half just gave up on their diets and are on a binge. Collectively, <laughs> yeah, probably we are overweight, sick, and struggling. Our modern choices about what and how much to eat have gone terribly wrong. The time has come to return to a more sensible way of eating and living. But which way? An entire class of self-help books recommends a return to the diets of our ancestors, Paleolithic diets. Ooh, Amen. Mark, can, can you hold on? We have sure? a call on the line. I want sure, to get sure. to this call. So we'll, maybe we'll come back to this in a moment. But let's talk to Kim first in Australia. Kim, are you with us? Yeah. Tim, it's me. Hi. Um, Hi. How you going, guys? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I just want to call and talk about the Middle East. Um, mm-hmm. There's been uh, some protests here in Australia, and I heard about I'm this. I'm just curious about. Hmm? Oh, I heard about the protests in Australia, and you know that was unusual because they're they're spreading way beyond their original locations. 
Well, yeah, yeah. I'm curious about that because uh, the source of uh, these protests have come from a, uh, well, it's been described as a satirical video uh, depicting the Prophet Muhammad in what could be described as a uh, uh, compromising uh, type right and yeah <laughs> I'm just curious about your thoughts about that because when I heard about this particular story I started to go back through um some of the South Park um <laughs> clips where they uh-huh. depict the prophet Muhammad right. and were people protest I don't think people were protesting as strongly about the South Park clips. I don't, those. I don't remember any embassies being set on fire. Yeah. I mean, one thing about this particular yeah. film that just came out was the fact that it did get translated into Arabic. And so I think more people were able to understand it and, and get offended. But honestly, I think that this this whole film thing is really just maybe uh, the tip of the iceberg. Like, I think there are a lot of reasons that people in the Middle East have to be upset with the American foreign policy. Because there have just been decades. They have a lot more reasons to be, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I, I don't mean, think if, it's really just about the movie. You right. know? If it's if the movie is indeed what set people off, then it shows what a razor's edge their attitudes are on, yeah. and likely that has something to do with the United States' foreign policy. And you know, some people don't want to hear it. They think that the, the foreign policy decisions occur in a vacuum. But the fact is, is you know, if there is a a large, uh, you know nation out there in the world that was telling the United States how it's going to do business and how, uh, you know, who they can deal with and what kind of power they can have in oh, their nation. Oh, you better believe people would be protesting for that. And yeah. who's going to be their rulers, then you know, people in the United States would probably rise up violently against them. So the suggestion the that people wouldn't do us. Uh, the filmmakers uh, right to free speech because the reporting that I saw on the TV uh, said that the producer was uh, California uh, based. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that he still has the right to express himself in that way? Oh, I certainly yeah. do. I think that uh, you know one can you know say whatever one wants on the internet, and if somebody reacts poorly to it, well, you know that's that's their that whatever they do in reaction to speech is their responsibility to deal with whatever it is. I know. mean, I wouldn't call it tactful or pleasant, like you know to. I don't know, to make a film that kind of has this shock value that's that's yeah. meant to like, aff- that he knows is going to offend a lot of people. But I wouldn't prohibit him from yeah. doing that. And I think the answer to free speech or to bad speech is more speech. Any final thoughts, Kim? And we'll quit. That's true. Yeah. Thank you so much for the call tonight. Pip. Nice to hear from you from Australia. Pip, pip. Or something crikey. <laughs> pip, pip. <laughs> 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. It's Stephanie with you. And Mark. And, uh, hey, you know, I want to let you know about something that's really important to Free Talk Live. It is the AMP program, and AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And so if you uh, choose to become an amplifier, what it means is that you give a certain amount of money. And actually, that has recently changed. Is that right, Mark? Or it's in the process, maybe? Uh, uh, the amplifier program at this point is $3 a month. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I saw a little bit of discussion about that on the Free Talk Live go up. Facebook page. But well, hey, you can get in now for $3 a month. Uh, well, I mean, you can actually give whatever amount you choose to Free Talk Live, if you so choose to do so, <laughs> uh, through the AMP program. And what that means is that you're basically helping Free Talk Live grow. Uh, Free Talk Live will put that money toward good use. And uh, in exchange, you'll also get some perks. Like you will get a commercial-free podcast and a special amplifier account on the Free Talk Live BBS, if that's your thing, and also the amplifier call-in lines. However, I did want to let people know, because we did have a couple of calls come in tonight on the amplifier lines, we are actually having a audio issue with those lines tonight. So if you would, you know, please call the the normal number at 855-450-3733, and, you know, we'll, we'll get you on. It's just... Uh, those aren't working tonight. They should be back online soon. I like those better anyway because we can see them on the, the software. Yeah, I, exactly. I kind of feel like the amplifier uh, lines are antiquated. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, so anyway, Mark, we were starting to discuss this article about, well, actually, first, did you have a message you wanted to get into this time? Oh, yeah. It's a free state project. If you uh, you know want to, if you're interested in the ideas of liberty and you want to be around people who are interested in those ideas, Probably the best place to do that is in New Hampshire with the Free State Project. Go to freestateproject.org, sign up, and uh, you know state your intention to move to New Hampshire for more liberty. If you're interested in the, the ideas of liberty, this is the place to be. It's freestateproject.org. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, I'm reading an article here from Scientific American, their blog, and it's uh, – yeah, let's see what the author's name here is again. It's uh, Rob Dunn. And – I thought it was kind of interesting because Rob's got a point here on these paleo and uh, primal diets. Yeah. He says um, an entire... Do we want to give a quick, sorry, a quick overview of what it is, what a paleo or primal diet means? He'll he'll go ahead and do that. Okay. An entire class of self-help books recommends a return to the diets of our ancestors. Paleolithic diets, caveman diets, primal diets, and the like urge us to eat like the ancients. Taken too literally, such diets are ridiculous. After all... Sometimes our ancestors starve to death, and the starving-to-death diet, well, it ends badly. At least you won't be fat, right? The past past was no panacea. Each generation made do with the bodies and foods available. Imperfect bodies, imperfect foods. Yet the idea that we might make our ancestral diet into a—take it into consideration when evaluating the foods um, on which our organs, cells, and existence thrive makes sense. But what did our ancestors eat? Here's, the, here's where the trouble starts. Collectively, anthropologists have spent many a career attempting to hone in on the diets of our most recent ancestors. Typically, they focus on our Stone Age, a.k.a. Paleolithic human ancestors or our earlier pre-human hominid ancestors. Even if we just consider our Stone Age ancestors, these folks whose stories span the time between the first stone tool and the first agriculture, the sides of the debate are polarized. If you listen to one camp, our ancestors got most of their nutrition from gathering fruits and nuts. Successful kills of big mammals may have been more of a treat than an everyday reality. 
A paper out just this month suggests even Neanderthals, our North Country cousins and mates, may have eaten much more plant material than previously suspected. Still, can I just break break sure. in here for a moment? Um, I actually agree with that. That it probably wasn't an everyday occurrence to have a big, uh, convenient mammal. You know, like some kind of a mastodon. Yeah. <laughs> mastodon cat whatever the cows of those days were her elks or woolly mammoths or anything i i agree that that probably was rare and but actually one of the things that people don't usually mention when they say that oh well you know yes humans were hunter gatherers but most of what they were gathering and hunting was was fruits and vegetables well not necessarily i mean if you think about it our ancestors probably ate a huge variety of foods probably a lot of that depended on where they lived and one of them i mean one of the hugest sources of food that that probably they ate was insects and those are meat i mean they're protein and fat mm-hmm. uh also eggs i mean they probably ra- you know found a lot of nests that had eggs in them and those are you know a source of fat and protein as well so i don't know if they entirely if the whole berries and nuts thing is is entirely true might be right fish this is- too is another thing fish shellfish you know they could gather shellfish. if they lived on the shore yeah. you know uh fishing with a spear is uh apparently doable you know with some just very rudimentary tools. I think you'd have to be pretty good at it. You'd probably spend more calories going after the fish than, than uh, killing it, uh, than what you get from it. But The uh, the anthropologists that I've heard talk about, like, uh, you know, basically countering the claim that, oh, this was a nasty, brutish existence, like, uh, who was it, Thomas Hobbes, that said yeah. that. Short, um, brutish, short, dirty. Yeah, had a terrible uh, childhood, too, which probably reflected on his, uh, or was projected onto his writing about early humans. But... Um, Basically, what they, you know, these anthropologists that I've heard talk about this say was that early humans probably had a pretty relaxed life in that they actually probably spent no more than about 20 hours a week uh, hunting and gathering. And you can gather enough calories for a human being within 20 hours every week. Yeah, it makes it really makes you wonder what was it like, um, you know, when you see, see, uh, you know, primates in the wild. Currently, you don't see a lot of work going on. Um, mm. There seems to be a lot of hanging out. And sex. Uh, well, there's <laughs> certainly that, too. If you're a bonobo. <laughs> certainly the bonobos are all about it. <laughs> Doing it in a pile. Um <laughs> You know, but it's it, it would be interesting to know. I think uh, certainly I think humans put in more work now trying to maintain all their stuff than they you know yeah. did and ever in the past. And I think they probably had some level of shelter uh, as a Homo sapien. Um, you know, I don't know. Prior to that, it seems unlikely that they you know probably just hung out under trees and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the the occasional cave if they found it. But I you know I think that I guess. What this article says to me um, is is that, uh, you know, he goes through, basically says that uh, it, it's just, you know, the whole, you know, major meat diet, uh, you know, paleo primal diets, mm-hmm. not necessarily ancestrally um, accurate and that the best way <laughs> to eat is fruits, nuts, berries and the things that he likes to eat. And I <laughs> yeah, think the that, things that he likes to eat. Right. I mean, I, I actually agree that like. One thing's for certain, and that is that our ancestors could not go to the grocery store and pick up a package of hamburger meat and have it the minute they, you know, the instant they snap their fingers, their dinner is on the table, right? I mean, yeah, sure. It, it's it just wasn't like that. And a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, I eat a paleo diet, like that is what they do. Right. They just have a convenient steak at their fingertips. Now, you switched. Basically, you went from the Adkins diet to the paleo diet, which is just a really a minor tweaking for you. But previous to that, you did it for health reasons. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, I was obese. And mm-hmm. so I it was successful for you. 
Extremely successful, yeah. Um, I was and obese. You don't, you don't eat sugar, and you don't eat. No, I haven't eaten sugar for ten years. No flour, rice, um, and things like that. No, no grains. And uh, you know, when I went paleo, I cut out uh, legumes, so like even peanut butter or soybeans or anything. The peanut butter sugar, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it has sugar in it, but it's it's actually a legume. Most people think peanuts are a nut, but they're a legume. Yeah, legume so. Yeah. Anyway, and there are specific reasons for that that people believe they're irritating to the guts, and there's evidence for that. Um, but yeah, I, I actually noticed that I felt better after I switched. So well, it's extent, worked for me. I, I like it. That's, to some extent, I wonder about these uh, the paleo diets as being just like a lot of things on the internet. You can't research your way to the truth because there's just so much information out there. I hope but, eventually there'll be more scientific trials. I'd like to hear about your ideas. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love, but make sure you give three bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. Stephanie with you. And Mark. The live Sunday night edition where you can call in at 855-450-3733. That is 855-450-3733. Mark, uh, we were talking about this um, discussion about what early humans ate. And this is an important question because people want to know so they can basically optimize their health because they're trying to work with what evolution has given us, right? Sure. I mean, if that makes know, sense to the, me, the question one might ask oneself is, is if are we consuming things now um, in you know, sort of the after the agricultural revolution that maybe we're, we weren't designed to eat? And is that shortening our lives or diminishing our health in some way? And I think it's a great question to even, ask. Even the agricultural revolution itself. I mean, there are lots of uh, people who who say that if you compare skeletons from um, hunter-gatherer societies or even modern-day hunter-gatherer cultures and uh, people who subsisted on grains um, and, and you look at their stature, their teeth, and um, the, the hardness of their bones, the people who ate grains have you know shorter stature, worse teeth, a lot more tooth decay, and softer bones and across different types of cultures. And... You know, I mean, when you say that, it sounds so believable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've spent a little time looking into this, but you probably have looked at this from the side of a sort of biased presenter. The, you know, the the people in the the realms that you travel in on the Internet are largely the paleo, uh, you know, positive type people. And they come up with these things. and, And I'm not saying they're not true. I don't know. And well, maybe the rest of culture is biased towards, you know, the standard American diet. Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows with these things? I, you know, I'm interested in knowing the truth on this because I want to be healthy. I genuinely sure. do. I'm not eating this way because I just like the taste of bacon or something. And actually, I don't even eat a lot of bacon anyway. But <laughs> a lot of people that a lot uh, of people that espouse this diet do just like with the Atkins diet. I mean, it was being maligned in the press because everybody was saying, oh, my God, they're just eating steak with butter on it for every meal and bacon and no vegetables and they're going to get scurvy. And, you know, some people who claim to eat the Atkins diet did because they really didn't understand, I think, the principles behind it. They kind of adopted this pop style of it. And that happens with anything. Right. But sure. for, for myself, I am interested in the science because I'm 
that it's a genuine interest of me in nutrition. And also I want to know the truth because I want to be healthy and live a long life. And you told me one time, and I believe this, that the people that are on the paleo diets tend to eat more vegetables than vegetarians. Yeah, actually, they eat more vegetables than anybody. They do. Yeah, there are lots of pizza and uh, French fry vegetarians. You know, (laughs) sure, they're you know, I mean, when it comes to to (laughs) vegetarians, not to say that all vegetarians are unhealthy. You know, and and that's another point too. Um, I I don't think a paleo diet and like a vegetarian diet would be mutually exclusive, especially what some people consider vegetarian. Like some people eat fish and chicken and they say that they're vegetarians or fish and eggs and they're vegetarians. Right. I think it's interesting that they don't consider the flesh of uh, chickens or the flesh of uh, fish (laughs) to be the flesh of animals. But, you know, whatever. I'm not here to (laughs) split hairs with you. Um, You know, if you if you were to cut pork and and beef out of your diet and I guess lamb, if uh, Mm -hmm. you know, if you happen to eat some kind of ethnically uh, derived diet. But if you were to cut those out of your diet, I'm not going to say that that's going to make you unhealthy. Um, I would, however, question cutting, especially for young children, cutting out, uh, you know, any kind of eggs or milk or anything that would, you know, any of these these foods that provide protein at, uh, Mm. you know, sort of a high level. Most people agree that. Especially like with a newborn baby, like milk is their ideal food, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't come out of people's breasts and cows, you know, udders for calves and stuff, right? Indeed. So uh, anyway, we, we do have a call on the line, Mark. Do you want to sure. talk to Brian? Let's talk to Brian in Chicago. Brian, are you with us? Brian? Hello? Hi. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you're bringing up the, the paleo... Uh, primal diet and everything, and I know uh, there were some questions about actual references or, you know, doctors or research, mm-hmm. and I just want to point out that uh, there are actually, I guess as it's, it's gained more traction in recent years, there have been a few doctors, uh, and actually a couple at Harvard, one's in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, I guess, Dr. Uh, Lauren Cordain. Yeah, he Lauren Cordain is like the father of the paleo movement like he was researching this stuff 15 years ago and then his uh graduate student was rob wolf who is a very prominent uh also figure in the paleo movement who by the way is also a libertarian um at least yeah, on absolutely. many issues kind of rob wolf. Mm-hmm. the um well yeah i mean i figured you know it's uh you know i, I would call and try and give uh give my thoughts there's also I mean, Chris Kresser and some of the other guys mm-hmm. along those lines, but it seems like you're actually extremely well-researched in those. Yeah, and that's one thing that's I'll say about the paleo blogosphere and community is that they do have copious references, you know, even from like the mainstream academic publications. This is what and, I like about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it appeals to the side of me that likes references and likes to be, things to be researched and, and, and that sort of thing. The one thing that I like to point out, though, and is is that a, an individual can never know what's true when it comes to sort of certain areas of things on the Internet because there's just so many people spouting so much stuff and it's difficult for one to know as a cons- at a consumer level. It and could if- be difficult, but I think you can use yeah. your critical thinking and try to get closer to truth. You know, like it, you can discern if you have critical thinking skills, the fact from the BS a lot of the time. But what or, seems easy to me is is that uh, probably if your food is coming into in a bag or a box or uh, you know some kind of hermetically sealed thing <laughs> that uh, one needs to question whether it's a whole food or not. Yeah. You know, for me, that's kind of where I try to start. 
by no means do I eat a whole food diet all the time, but, Mm -hmm. you know, my wife feeds me a whole food diet. How's that? (laughs) Brian? Yeah, I I guess that that for me is kind of like the quintessential point of the whole thing is just trying to eat uh, more natural foods. I know, well, for me personally, when I uh, switched to more of a traditional paleo diet, um, you know, avoiding grains, legumes, and dairy, Mm -hmm. the... I actually had, uh, you know, drops in my cholesterol, blood pressure, and everything yep. actually normalized to a, a very good level. And so, I don't know, it's, you know, kind of as we referenced before that I feel like if, uh, if you try it, you feel better. You know, I think I think it's, uh, it's, it's a good thing that everyone should check out. Yeah, I agree. And Brian, just one more question before you go. Are you a physician? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. I know someone named Brian from Chicago who is a physician, and his voice sounded There's like kind of like more yours. than one. Uh, Brian. No, no. I just, uh, you know, I just try and learn as much about this stuff as I can. Check it out, and I, he- I heard you guys talking about it, so thought I'd try, uh, you know, try and call and actually, you know, join the conversation. Well, great. Thank Thanks you so for much call. for the call, Brian. Uh, good to know another paleo person. Well, there's lots of them out there, and there, they have there are. they have quite a community on the internet, and they provide. I a went great to deal a conference actually this summer. About paleo eating, this and is there was how, lots of physicians. This there. is how important it is to a lot of people, uh, you know, that they're willing to pick up and go to a conference. When was the last time you heard of the Twinkie Twinkie Eater Conference? I mean, people... <laughs> well, the whole world is the Twinkie Eating Conference, right? Basically, <laughs> I guess it is. I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I think part of the attraction of conferences like that is that, I mean, these people are are saying things that are quite iconoclastic, and a lot of them are very much liberty oriented, and they're also just really challenging the dogma. I mean. People in the mainstream of medicine say this is anathema because you're eating a lot of fat and cholesterol and that's going to give you heart attacks. And paleo people challenge that, you know, and say, no, you know, these are animal products. These are these are actually healthy things. And the science behind, you know, showing that these are, quote, unhealthy is is flawed. And most of the paleo people are eating not just meats, but they're eating sort of grass-fed meats and things like that, too. Yes. They're, they're trying to find something that's as uh, similar to whatever the their our ancient ancestors might have eaten, right? Right. So uh, here, uh, going on with the, the story. Not too many of them are eating bugs, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're probably eating more bugs than they, uh, than they know. <laughs> Some macho, macho camps paint a picture of our ancestors as big, bad hunters who supplemented meaty diets with the occasional berry chaser. Others suggest we spent much of our recent past scavenging with the lions left behind, running into the sna- uh, to snag a half-rotten wildebeest leg when the fates allowed. Oh my, are you going to snag a half-rotten wildebeest leg? Well, hold off on it for a moment and call us at 855-450-3733. It's Free Talk Live. Tell us what you think about paleo diet or anything that's on your mind. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. You like your friends. You like Free Talk Live. Like your friends enough to share something you like with them. Help Free Talk Live get into more ears. Podcast listeners are the most important area of growth for Free Talk Live. Please share one episode a week on Facebook. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show, the final segment of this evening's program with me, Stephanie. And me, Mark. FreeTalkLive.com is our website. And uh, Mark, did you have anything else that you wanted to say to the listeners? This I want to remind people that uh, if you like what you hear on Free Talk Live, to do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. It's a great way to... You know, get the things that you get online. You'll get the same prices and the same service if you use shop.freetalklive.com. Uh, we have lots of, uh, we have several different uh, retailers we do business with, but specifically Amazon. A lot of people do, you know, there's just a lot of businesses done on Amazon and uh, Free Talk Live. We get a good deal of our sort of you know money that we make here on the show from people who shop there at shop.freetalklive.com. They take advantage of the great service and prices that they get on Amazon and they do the shopping they'd normally do or a little extra shopping and they do it through shop.freetalklive.com. It takes them a extra moment um, and we reap the benefits and we really thank everybody that does it. Yeah, very much. And uh, also... It really helps us when, when you share the show with your friends. Like if you enjoyed tonight's show or maybe you called in, uh, share it on your Facebook page or your Twitter. Yeah, let everybody hear the segment that you, you know, that you know, cut up the segment if you want. Put it on your Facebook so people can hear it. Share the entire show. Tell people where it is as far as a time marker. Uh, you know, it's a great way to uh, you know, share the show. All right. One more time. Our number is 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE. And uh, Mark, let's continue with this paleo diet story. I want to get into the meat of the issue. (laughs) (laughs) So the scientist goes on, I should start explaining what the gut is and does. I use the term loosely. What I really mean is the alimentary canal. Okay. Is that right? The alimentary canal? Is that right? Sure. Is yeah. that the way to pronounce that word? Uh-huh. I, you know, yeah. I've never had anybody you know, use it. I've only read the word. And you got to say it with like a, a uh, nose upturned British accent. The alimentary canal. Gotcha. No. <laughs> and all of its gurgling bells and whistles. The canal is the most important and least lovely one on, on earth. It takes you from the mouth through all the way through the body to the anus. But while most canals take the shortest <laughs> shortest course uh, between two points, the one inside you takes the longest. The longer the canal, the more area over which digestion can occur. Food enters the canal through the mouth where it is chewed and slimed with saliva. And uh, that's part of the, the digestion process there. It then hits the stomach where proteins are digested. Next, it's on down to the small intestine where simple sugars are absorbed. If you have... Just eaten a Twinkie, the process essentially ends there. Everything worth consuming has been absorbed, but if you've eaten broccoli, an artichoke, or a fig, things are just beginning. It's the in the large intestine where uh, harder to break down carbohydrates, such as cellulose, the most common plant compound on Earth, are torn asunder. This system evolved so as to provide us with as many calories as possible, long um, to our benefit, and also as many of the necessary but hard-to-produce nutrients. The yeah. alimentary canal is, evolutionary speaking, a masterwork, and it makes energy from the food that we're lucky enough to find. So, and there's a whole um, body of literature and science about the bacteria that live in our guts and what they do. And it's, it's this really interesting thing because uh, the populations of bacteria in people's guts change with the type of diet that they eat. Really? Okay. And also there have been studies in, in animals, in mice that, you know, if you get mice that have no microbes in them, so sterile mice, and then you transplant the gut bacteria from an obese mouse into the sterile mouse, the mouse will gain weight. And if you transplant the gut bacteria from a lean mouse into the sterile mouse, it won't, it won't gain weight. It so, won't gain weight. Right. So there might be 
like a two-way relationship. Like, so we need lean mice probiotics in order to make us lose weight? Is that uh, that's what a lot of people say, but it's nobody has found that you know mixture of... Uh, bacteria. Of bacteria, people, yeah. And even if, even if you did, like, how would you wipe out all the bacteria? You know, billions. We have more bacterial cells in our bodies than we have human cells, like on the order of 10 times more, I think. You, couldn't you take antibiotics and wipe them out? Uh, you could, but then what happens is antibiotics don't kill all types of bacteria. So sometimes when people take antibiotics, they're vulnerable to yeast infections or to other nasty bacteria like mm-hmm. Clostridium difficile, which is like causes this really nasty uh, disease. So, yeah, you really can't use antibiotics to wipe them out. So I thought this guy's article, which goes on, it's expansive, and I've, I, found, I found it worth the read mm-hmm. simply because it informed me. I don't know that he has a bias, and his bias is that uh, people he should eat. to eat nuts and berries. <laughs> yeah, he's, he'd eat berries, nuts, fruits, and, and all these things that our uh, gut was designed for. That our Does gut he is say longer. anything about leafy vegetables? Because... I mean, if he's saying that huma- humans were primarily... Yes. Okay. Certainly wants you to eat lots of leafy vegetables. Okay. I didn't hear that so um, Well, it, it, you haven't read heard the article, and there's no way I could read this, even if gotcha. we had another hour to read it. <laughs> I just wanted to take excerpts from it that I thought were particularly witty and interesting. And... Uh, you know, talk to you about the, this particular paleo diet. And here's what I think. Mm-hmm. Having done the paleo diet with my wife for, I think it was three weeks, and then we decided we didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Just I, like it. I'm not saying it wasn't good for us or anything. We didn't notice any noticeable difference for ourselves. Is it possible that the paleo diet is a good diet for humans to eat, but really isn't paleo at all? Um, that, you know, that it's just <laughs> that's just shtick in order to get people to eat what they probably should be eating. Yes, that is entirely possible and and probably likely because, like I said, we're not eating grubs, lizards, you know, the variety of foods that early humans ate, you know, modern humans definitely are not eating them, especially in America. Um, But it's probably the closest that we can come, I would say. I would say it's the closest that we can come so given the, paleo, the environment that we're in, to the paleo diet says that you know no carb, you know you know do away with the carbs as best you can. But it seems likely that uh, ancestors dug up a root here and there that might have been a little carby. Yeah, that's actually a, a debate within paleo community. Is like, what about sweet potatoes and potatoes? And some people say, yeah, that's fine. Other people say, no, those are you know those aren't really very good. And I mean, and what about beans? I mean, I don't know where beans came from, but beans, yeah, beans came from. They're not carby. <laughs> well, they're not carby. The problem that people talk about with beans is that you know people say beans are very nutritious, and while they may contain some nutrients in the beans, like minerals and stuff, a lot of those min- minerals are bound by what's called phytates, and phytates are chemicals that basically prevent you from absorbing those nutrients. So they're referred to as anti nutrients because they prevent you from getting those. Like you eat, you eat some magnesium that's in the bean, but you can't absorb it because it's bound by a phytate, right? And then beans also have something in them called lectins. Lectins are a type of protein that binds to sugars. And the outside, you know, the inside of your intestine has something called a brush border, which is a bunch of carbohydrates or sugars on the surface of your intestinal cells. And so what happens is these um, lectins from the beans bind to your the cells, you know, in, in the lining of your intestine. And they can actually hitchhike in, you know, through the intestinal wall. They can get through. That's what the purpose of the intestinal wall is, right? To get through it. Uh, Yeah, but you don't want to let whole proteins through because then you can become allergic. You can mount an immune response to them. And to beans? The, I've never heard of anybody with a mean immune response. I guess uh, peanuts. To the Yeah, to the lectins. Yep, in peanuts is one, I guess. But then they, say, then they claim that this basically causes a, 
um, a leaky gut, so-called. It's mm-hmm. the leaky gut syndrome, where not only are these bean lectins getting in, but all other everything's all getting types in. of the allergens. lectins have made big holes in your intestines, and <laughs> yes. everything's getting through. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is and this is the thing that's so difficult for the average person to know. You've spent a lot of time researching this, and you may or may not know the truth. I'm not sure. I can tell you what you're very convincing. We've talked about this in the past. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I tried this. My life wasn't noticeably better inside of, I think it was three weeks or four weeks or something. That How we did different it. was it from the diet that you were eating before? Well, there's, it's nice to get some rice with your Chinese food, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, actually, even paleo people do say that rice, if you're going to eat a grain, is is probably the best grain, like white rice, because which has the bran removed, because rice doesn't have gluten. It does have a similar protein, but it's not uh, gluten, which they say is one of the evil culprits of a lot of disease. You also feel pretty dumb having uh, planted a you know a bunch of potatoes and then not being able to eat the darn things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're they're one of the easier things to plant and harvest out there. Sure. Um, having a, you know having a little farm, you know we we grow a lot of our own food and then can feel kind of silly having uh, grown all these potatoes. Get a couple of buckets full of potatoes and you you can't eat them. And so eh. you can't. I mean, some people do eat potatoes. You know, paleo diet, but. Potatoes have. Um, it's nice some- to have sandwiches. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when you're as a paleo person, you basically can't eat out. Um, it's almost it's impossible. Yep. And so, if you want to stop off someplace hard, and doable. grab some food, it's doable. Yeah. Certainly, I mean, you know, under extreme. You can always have a hamburger on lettuce instead of a bun. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a a steak and roasted veggies or something. But then again, you know, they weren't steak wasn't readily available. But that, but neither was bread. I mean, they wouldn't have have heard of bread. I mean, they didn't have grains that grew. That they harvested. No, so certainly not. They may have picked some the ends off of some uh, weeds, but you know, grains wouldn't have been very harvestable by uh, pre-agricultural people. Yeah, um, that just didn't. You know, just it just wouldn't make sense. Yeah. So, so anyway, I guess the debate will continue. Yeah, maybe we'll do part two next time, Mark. And thank you so much for doing the show with me. This is a fun, fun one. It's been uh, Stephanie here. And Mark. On Free Talk Live. FreeTalkLive.com is our website. And you'll hear us again. Well, you'll hear, hear uh, Ian and Mark and probably Julia in 21 short hours. Thanks for listening. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. You likely buy all kinds of things online. Amazon is the largest online retailer. You can get what you need at the same prices with free super saver shipping by going to shop.freetalklive.com. Please do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com.